to some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. I'm Shah, I'm Ollie. and we are Creeping It in the Family, a podcast where we dish details about all things horror. Episode 115. God, you remember like big, that well. <laughs> sounds like a big number, doesn't it? It does. God. 115 <laughs> averaging, like, I don't know, 50 minutes an episode averaging, probably. Yeah, I mean, that Scream episode took us up a bit. <laughs> That's what I mean, we had a few that have gone over and a few that have got. God, remember, I would remember say an hour. Shining. Maybe 50, 50 minutes. Yeah, 50, no, 50 minutes. We yeah. had to watch The Shining in two, two parts. Two parts, because it was so long. But none of that today. We had the exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah, this one's been a long time coming, guys. We are sorry. I had a break, and then Oliver went to Portugal, and I was really tired. So we decided to just have a week off, but then I forgot to put some of on the podcast. So They get what probably, they're given at this point. I know there were thousands of people disappointed when yeah. they woke up on Monday morning, and our podcast was I was expecting pitchforks outside my house when I Molotov balls. <laughs> yeah. So this film I've never heard of. Now before we get into it, I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure that this is actually based on true events because I'm I, I, maybe we've spoken about it or I've heard it from somewhere else, but I'm sure I heard of a court case where possession was actually used as as part of the case and it was like groundbreaking and shocked the world, etc. etc. Um, I really like this film. It was when. When you recommended, well, when you said we're going to be watching The Exorcism of Emily Rose, I thought... It's not what you I, think I, it's Yeah, really. I, I thought, here we go. Not here we go as in, oh, no, but I thought, right, another possession film is going to be a family in a derelict house who are struggling, they're going to be poor, then one of the daughters is going to, or one of the sons is going to start getting... Do you know what I mean? Just, just, just the cliche, yeah, like, a possession over the space of an hour and a half, two hours, you get to watch it. However, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by this film. One, because it, it, it wasn't... It it wasn't just about the the ex the, well the possession. It wasn't. There was so much more to it. It, it was, was about the moral struggle it, it, of it, yeah, the demons exist. It explain yeah. It, it not explains. It it delves into the idea of there's obviously the two sides of the argument are you've got science and you've got fiction. You've got you've got atoms. You've science got science. Yeah, you've spiritual. got the periodic table, and then you've got religion you've got paranormal you've got all these things that life after are yet, death, are yet blah, blah, blah. yeah are yet to be proven but there's obviously a very strong belief for them across different cultures around the whole world it's yeah. not it's so it, it really looks into that line of because i what i tried to do at some point in the film was i tried to put myself in the position of the jury and how would because obviously we the, the film it's it's basically just a, a court case a trial about this death of emily rose um, and the argument was, did the father, uh, Father Moore, neglect Emily and and persuade her or convince her to not take medical prescriptions and take medical advice and to go along with it more spiritually? Now, obviously, the, the, you, you learn from the start of the film that she's died. Emily, Emily dies right at the start. Um, so then the argument then comes in. It, the argument in this trial is the defendant, Father Moore, is obviously trying to vouch for the fact that this wasn't... This was, it's beyond the capabilities of anyone in that courtroom. What's happened? It's it's it's. A fair, I like the fact, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's not black. It's not a black and white case. It's not, but but the problem is with, with humans, which is why I was trying to put myself we in the case of the jury. Yeah, like we, there has to be someone at fault. 
Like you can't just accept, oh, it was a, because imagine how, imagine if you had a daughter, right? And, and this happened to her. And in, in court, the, the defendant is claiming, oh, it was, it was a demon. You'd be like, get fucked. That's, my, that, that's all speculation. The facts are she needs, she had this medical condition or it looked like she had this medical condition. And th this film just really delves into the idea of, it's that grey area. That's what this whole film is. It's a grey area yeah. of, and back in the end of the film, spoiler alert, obviously, the jury found him guilty, but this, the sentence was time served. So he didn't actually have to mm -hmm. go to prison. And that, that to me, that, that was kind of like the jury thought it, it's not beyond unreasonable doubt, but we live in the real world where some, like we can't let them exist. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, the, the guilt has to be put onto someone, so he is guilty. But time served, it, it kind of gives a nod to we we get it. Like we, yeah. we don't we don't believe, but we also don't not believe. We can you. we can acknowledge it, but yeah, we can't, yeah, we can't of, let you it, off. It was kind of it. like we don't think you're at fault, but you're the closest person. Yeah, who who we can blame? Who who can be be charged with it? Well, I'm going to burn a fun fact. It was not. It's not one of the ones I've got, but I was reading up on it and it really stuck me and I was thinking about it. The jury in the script, in the film, didn't have scripts, so they didn't know what the outcome was. Ah. And one woman asked, did they find him guilty? Cats and... looking the curtains. <laughs> and the <di> one <laughs> woman asked if they found him guilty and the director said, what do you think? And they did a proper jury thing and the decision came back split. Between guilty and not guilty? And once me. you've got a split panel, you've got because you've got to do it it's until everybody agrees. Everybody got, agrees, yeah, yeah. and they they actually in real life it was a split decision. But yeah, it was based on the exorcism of Annalise Michelle, a young German girl, and it was very much the same. With the parents got prosecuted as well though for right. negligence, but they the prosecution asked that the parents were taken off trial because they'd suffered enough yeah just, just to put it out there um as like a little disclaimer we obviously know how film works and this we're gonna say this is based on true events so when we're when we're resorting back to stuff we're resorting back to what we've seen in the film yeah it may not be factually true for the actual case that happens but we're not reviewing that case yeah we might refer back to it in well a i know real quite life. a little bit about annalise michelle yeah, so, so, so we might revert back to it I in can... a case of in real life blah 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 however for the majority of it, when we if we're giving sympathy towards characters or feeling empathetic, like that's that's all to do with what we've seen on the film, not necessarily the real people that it happened to in real life, because we all know how uh, media and Hollywood can twist and change things and still say it's based on true events. Have you ever seen a photo of her? No. Let me show you. So that's what that's the real life Annalise Michelle, and well, that yeah. was her taken after she died. There's another one as well, which is like look at the state of her. Oh yeah, God. Yeah, before she died. So yeah, the anyway, back to why I like the film because it wasn't it wasn't just like it, there are scary bits in it, but it's not it's not meant to make you like it's not like a conjuring or insidious because that's what you might think of when you hear the word exorcism. I'd strongly advise anyone who hasn't seen it to watch it because it is a really good film and it does get you thinking. At one point, I was even thinking my faith because obviously I, I'm an atheist. Mm. I don't I don't believe in it. I don't not believe in it. I just haven't seen it, so I can't comment. However, like I was, I was thinking, I don't know if say if demons are proven real, but just demons and demons alone. Would that changed. Yeah, that's that's scary in itself. But the scariest thing about it is not that demons are real; it's or what else is like. Yeah. It, that, if that it, gate, if that doors open, yeah. Because I was thinking during the film, I was like, if this came out where demons was real, there was actual evidence of a demonic figure or or whatever. 
would I then start going to church and believing in God? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where the line's drawn. Yeah, so it is a weird situation. And I think, I think the conjuring, the devil made me do it, tried to be this film in a way. And I, and I think this is what, if they, if they wanted to bring a court case into it, this is what The Conjuring should have been. And I think this is, I, it, I discovered it when I was watching this, because I watched this when I was about 10 years old, I think, 10, 11 years old. And it, I, obviously The Conjuring hadn't come out then. But when I was watching this film the other day, I was watching it and thinking, this is why I didn't like The Devil Made Me Do It. Mm. Because... I really enjoyed looking at the court case and the actual facts of the case and, you know, whether whether things can be explained away. And it was good hearing them explained away and stuff like that. Yeah. And I love, I absolutely love the main character, the um, Laura Linney's character, the Erin, the the prosecutor, the defender. Yeah, defender. She, yeah, she's... Yeah, she does a good job. She's incredible. But yeah, I th- I do think this is why I didn't like The Conjuring so much because I'd seen this and I think this is far superior um, in comparison. But shall we, uh, shall we yeah, take it from the top? It, yeah. So at the very beginning, a medical examiner enters an old isolated house and there's a family crying at the table. The vicar has also been in there when he's led up to the room. He walks out and it's we find out it's because because Emily Rose yeah, has died. Passed, yeah. So we cannot say, a co- he could not say a cause of death was natural and therefore a murder investigation had to essentially take place. Yeah, where Fathermore's arrested. And Fathermore is arrested. We cut to a new place. It looks like it's in New York, but it could be anywhere, I suppose. So Erin Bruns, I want to say Brunsberg or something like, Brewer, no, Erin Bruner, that's her name, I remember this, is being asked to, get the priest to confess, essentially. She's just won this Tom Tom Hooper case yeah, or something she, like that. It seems like she's... She's, she's riding she's work, on a high, she, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, and she's working for the church, so the church's objective... I th- that might be wrong. She's work, The higher power's objective is to take as little embarrassment away yeah. from the case as possible. Because there is a conflict of interest going on. The lawyer, the lawyer firm, or the church, I can't remember which one it is, is saying to Erin, look, we just want you to get this case as less embarrassing as possible. Almost like neutralise it. Like the outcome isn't as big of a deal as long as the church isn't made a laughing stock out of by what happens. Yeah. Whereas the lawyer... Um, but then the father wants people to know the story. That's his sole objective. Whereas the the lawyer firm who end up employing Erin to take on this, this case is kind of saying, look, just don't let him speak. Don't let him come out with all this exorcism. Yeah. Just don't let him testify. Yeah, yeah, let's keep it factual. Let's and let's just get it as minimum damage as possible. Whereas a father, they're like, no, I don't care what happens. I need to get this yeah. point across. Well, they saw how she dealt with the James Von Hopper case. That was his name. Yeah. And she's just won and got him off for homicide. She's just got him off for murder. Yeah. And they're all celebrating. As essentially, she agrees to go. She, she agrees to represent him. And when she goes to actually see... Um, Father Moore, sorry, I get really confused with the names in this. When she gets actually goes to see Father Moore, she mentions something that I thought was really interesting, and it was the idea that the like the the world doesn't like when religion holds itself above the law. Yeah, and I thought that was a really interesting concept. There were a few really good. Well, I've I've written down a few quotes in this film when I when I just thought like the the dialogue in this film is quite powerful. Obviously, it's in a court yeah. case, so it is quite. 
But but some of the phrases that were thrown out there, again, this film makes you think. It makes you question yourself. Like brown sheep. Yeah, yeah. I wonder brown sheep is that brown sheep. Brown brown sheep. <laughs> right. So the vicar. So the priest, Father Moore, is is incredible in this role as well. But all he wants to do is tell Emily's story. He's not bothered about whether he gets found guilty or not. It's not about him being proved innocent. Yeah. It's it's the fact he needs the story to be told and. If she lets him testify, he'll he'll agree to her representing him. So that's the deal. So we learn that which, Emily, which she agrees to, knowing that she knowing can't that she do can't that. let him testify. Yeah. So Emily was happy before she went away to university, and as, so as soon as I saw her face, it's, it's Jennifer Carpenter. It's the actress from White Chicks, and I was oh, just creasing. You know the one that's in the dressing room. And she's trying on all the clothes, and she's like, "How can I you say seen, that?" I haven't seen White Chicks. What? Wow, I'm not seen it. I think Shia was watching it the other day. Ollie, you need to watch White Chicks. It's the no, funniest shit it. ever. No, but she is hilarious in it. But she's so iconic as a character that it's really, really. It's like seeing Anne Farris as anything but Cindy, it's like seeing, Cindy it's like Campbell. His face, bloody. How can I not remember Harry Potter's actual name? Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe in like the woman in black. That was a bit Yeah, it, at it's first, like that. that was a bit like you're a wizard, like You're a wizard, yeah, Harry. Like, just, just use a spell on him, or it's not it's not like it's a dementor. But to just put it into context, people haven't seen this film. The film's kind of in three timelines. You've got the current, which is the court case trial. Yeah. And then while they're going through the court case trial, when they're talking about certain events, you then get flashbacks to, yeah. to them events. So that's how the story's kind of played out. It's not like you're watching it in real time. Although some of the events happening to the main characters, like Erin, uh, when she starts to, to see a few things that are a bit paranormally, that is in real time. But the, the main premises is a court trial, and then it'll go to a flashback explaining what they've just been arguing about in the court trial. Yeah. So all we learn from this section, really, is that she wanted, like Emily Rose definitely wanted to go to university to become a teacher. Yeah. And she ended up going, she got on a scholarship. It looked like they were quite a poor family. Yeah. So it was really big of for this to happen. Then Laura Linney, Erin, goes home that night and the clock stops at 3 a.m. Yeah, I've got it down. It's, all, it's always 3 a.m. Well, but, it's, but obviously they it explain why, it don't film, they? Yeah, I, well, I put before I knew for sure. I, th I was like, I think it's the devil's hour. Yeah. I'm it's, pretty it's to, sure. It's to mock the, the Holy, Holy, Trinity. Holy Trinity hour, which is 3 p.m. Yeah. So the argument is, did the exorcism kill her? Yeah. Like, was the exorcism what finished her off? And was it negligence? And was Father Moore's advice of stopping the medication yeah, that, that, the that, issue? That's like the phrase that gets thrown about the most is the fact that Father Moore advised, advised her. her not to, to stop taking a medication, which I forgot to write the name down of, but it, I'm sure you'll have it somewhere. It is. Of a G. I have it. Gambitrol. Gambitrol, yeah, because the, their argument is Gambitrol affects a neuro part in your brain, which, if, yeah. which during a possession would allow you to, to break away from the possession and... Your, your own your own soul yeah he said um, it's like you're locked in possession yeah, yeah. if you keep and taking the, the, it this this uh, drug keeps you like it, it restricts the access of being able to distance yourself so yeah. you are stuck in it and they're, they're saying that's why the exorcism didn't work yeah so the prosecution it's the first day of the courtroom calls a witness and we learn about the woman we hear about the woman who looked after her as a child it was said that she was a sickly child but she was really excited about going to university and there was a an incident in the college one night where she was asked to call her at 4am from a payphone, Emily Rose. Yeah. She rang her up and she told that she'd been, that she told the witness she'd been alone when she woke up 
and some she could smell something burning and she wasn't quite sure what it is so she got up and a friend a roommate was away for the weekend as well that was something important as well she checked it out she settled back down to sleep and as she she sort of like opened her eyes because she heard rattling and it was the pens on her desk and the pens on the desk started shifting and they fell off. She gets mega haunted from the start. Yeah. Which is why, which is why again, why I think I enjoyed the song quite a lot because in your conjurings and your insidious and stuff, which don't get me wrong, I love and have their own place. They are very slow burners in the sense where, you know, it starts off with a door, thing a door and... shutting by itself and then you won't see anything again for another 20 minutes. Whereas this, because you're only looking at flashbacks that, for lack of a better term, the highlights of the, the whole... Um, possession experience you just see in the the, the nitty-gritty bits of it like yeah. the, the the worst the, the the camera work on this scene was fucking horrible like you, you can see she's laid in a bed under the sheet and you can see obviously there's she can't see anything but you can see weight getting pressed down either side of her yeah. or over the bed sheet so, so that's trapping her down and then it's grabbing her hands, and obviously you can't see it, but you know it. You know the shape of what what is on yeah. top of it, what it's doing through the imprint. And it, yeah, of what's and, it, going and it's on. just such a helpless scenario. Trapped, yeah, trapped way, like she is incapable of moving in this. Like imagine being in that position where th this entity, you can feel the weight of a person trapping you, but there's nothing, there's nothing in front there. of you. It'd be horrible. And uh, but yeah, so the sheets are torn off her body. She's pressed into the mattress, and they try to blame epilepsy. So they say that they found something on a left temporal uh, lobe and that's that's sort of their excuse for it. Now, Erin takes the doctor to town at this point and breaking it down that it wasn't epilepsy. So she was like, well, does this cause epilepsy? Does Is that a symptom of epilepsy? Is that a symptom of epilepsy that she had? And he was like, well, no, well, no, well, no. She's like, so actually what you're doing is you're taking the parts that would fit epilepsy and yeah. you're saying it's epilepsy whilst ignoring all the other symptoms. Yeah, the, the court case in this film is really um it's violent it's aggressive yeah, yeah, isn't and, it yeah, and both sides are asking questions that you agree with like you do think when, when you hear the defense at uh, the um the prosecutor is that is is that you call yeah when he's you, the prosecutor when, yeah, yeah when you hear him speaking and asking these questions you're sat there thinking i'd be asking these exact same questions yeah but then when erin's coming back with these questions you're like well yeah that is also a good point like you can't even make your mind yeah it, even knowing that the possession is real. Cause God, it must it take. A, you must have to be so fucking clever to be a lawyer. Oh God, yeah. Why I mean, I know, I know you are clever to be a lawyer, but like, just to be you've able got, to, you've got to have all angles covered. Like, and you, to think got, of something yeah, on the spot and be like, oh, hang on a minute, yeah. this doesn't quite work out. Like, that's so clever. But before Father, so that ends for the day. But before Father Moore gets taken back to the jail cell, he says to Erin, "There are forces surrounding this case, and you know, you need to be." Need to be careful. Demons are around whether you believe them or not. Yeah, I've got that that phrase written down. Demon exists whether you believe in them or not. And that was kind of like a... Because obviously we're in, in our mind, say if you... In Father Moore's case, he knows that demons are real. Whereas other people are kind of like non-believers or atheists yeah. where they're like, well, probably not. So it, 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 to hear that come from where it's like, look, he's not trying to convince her. Look, whether no, you, whether you believe in it or not, they exist. Like, they are real. Um... Yeah, it kind of made you like that. That's kind of sent a shiver down my spine. Like yeah. it's kind of like it was, you think you're so. What makes you feel yeah, important yeah, yeah. enough what, to what know that they you, exist? What puts you on the ivory tower where you can decide whether they yeah, exist or not? It's like they exist. They're real. Like whether you want to believe in them or not. And then to, this is just speculation as well. But 
when he says that there are demons surrounding this case, and obviously throughout the film, things are happening to Erin towards Dr. Cartwright. Yeah. Um, well, Dr. Cartwright dies, dies eventually. So these things, so there is a demonic, well, there, there is definitely paranormal occurrences to the main cast while this court trial is going on. And I'm thinking, is this because, is this because the demon wants the father to get blamed? Because that is a mockery of the church. It's a mockery of Christ. Yeah. Like a father being sent down for, for the death of a of a of a Catholic girl, yeah. when it was a demon that did it, like yeah. imagine yeah. the bragging rights that would be for a demon, like oh, is, is, is that why this demon was trying to interrupt with the case and just make it and kill the doctor? Yeah, apparently, yeah, supposedly, po- possibly killed the doctor, that kind of thing. But after the dorm room incident, we learn that Emily Rose was... Set. I don't know why I keep calling her Emily Rose. She's just called Emily. It's because we think of her middle name as Rose, but her last name is Rose. Yeah. So after the dorm incident, Emily was sent to the university hospital for testing. And the, it, her facial expressions in this film are absolutely terrifying because she just looks so startled and horrified staring out the window. And we don't know what she's looking at. Yeah. We can't see it. But she's looking at this thunder and lightning. And then she sees something in the mirror and it... Com- uh, window, sorry. And it completely freaks her out. And then she's dragged along the floor and things only got worse. She sat seeing demons everywhere. Yeah, it, every, this scene was good where she's just running down the street like in a mass panic and there's members of the public just walking. And as she looks at him, you see it, the faces. Grave encounters. Where the eyes go black and her mouth just drags itself out long. It was terrifying. But she ends up running to the church and she she still like sees these demons even in the church. They're everywhere. And she reaches for the crucifix but can't do it. She can't quite get there. And like there's just, she's at this like back breaking angle yeah. when Jason is it? Jason's yeah, Jason. a boyfriend. Well, her friend who's a boy, she liked him. And he comes in and he sees her at this back breaking angle before she collapses. So this is where we start getting into I love that it's not just about the possession, it's about I think it's about Erin's journey as much as it is about Emily's. Yeah, from a, from a non-believer to someone who's a doubter, to, to, to these things just start presenting themselves in front of her. And I, th- I think that's why she takes such... Because obviously towards the end of the film, she's reminded by her employer that she's basically going to get fired if she calls Father yeah. Moore back up to testify because they know he's going to split out all this religious stuff which is going to look bad on the church and make him look silly. Yeah. Um, and she goes against that. So that, to me, that, that, at that point, I thought she's, she's not... made it, a decision. It's not about the publicity or her winning this case or being the best lawyer. She's invested in this case. Well, this was what it was about, wasn't it, originally? she Because she said, I've worked really hard and I'm still not a partner. Yeah. And this was sort of the deal behind it. But she feels on top of the world. She's just won this case and she's, you know, she's a high flyer. She's doing amazingly. And then she gets the news that James Van Hopper... The guy that she defended and got off murdered two people. Yeah, and so you've and then you because you've got you as whilst you've got to be so intelligent to be a lawyer, you've got to be really fucking. Your morals have got to be. Yeah, you've got to be quite. You've you've got to be able to bend your morals. Yeah, well, you've got to be able to lie virtually. If you've got a defendant and you know they've done it, even though they haven't said it, but you think they've done it, if they don't say I've done it. You've got to defend but them. But the, the, this is why the justice system, I think, can be quite flawed because 
you you can live with that guilt free because it was a jury's dis- you just present the facts like you yeah. don't you don't try the, you're the, not the, in yeah, charge the, of the, the, yeah, you don't make people's minds up the jury decides whether they're guilty or not guilty you just present the facts but then this is what i mean by benjamin morals because you like you said you could have a suspicion that that person did that thing but if the fact is their alibi said to here and even you're thinking like that 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 doesn't mean this, yeah. but you've just got to go. Well, is Alan, you, you've got to state the facts, so yeah. you can kind of sleep guilt-free, thinking it was a jury's decision. All I did was, but obviously, to be good at your job in any job, well, majority, you have to put hard work in. Now, putting hard work in means you're working out of hours. You're trying to dig up different yeah. stuff to help this case, to help your defendant, and then that's why if they went on to do bad things. But regardless of whether that person was guilty, so this James Van Hopper was obviously guilty, and. Yeah. She, but she was celebrating getting him off the the hook essentially. Yeah. But actually, he was a murderer. Yeah. And because of because of her good job, the the jury found him not guilty, and he went on to murder two other people. So you could argue if he didn't have as good a lawyer. Oh yeah, you could. She, yeah, hundred percent. So does she take part responsibility for that? Again. Morally, probably yes to, to us sat here, but if, if I'm a lawyer and I've, I, that's my line of work, it's a jury's decision. I don't decide who's guilty and not guilty. That was their decision. I mean, I don't know if you... Can you refuse a case? Like, if you're offered, do the lawyers... Probably, but the, 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 the worst cases are the ones as a lawyer I'd imagine you want to get yeah. into because they're the ones that hit the headline, like public trials and stuff like that. But, you know, you've just got, she's, she's got to accept that fact now that two more people are dead because... She got this man off. But th- this is what I'm saying. It depends on the way you look at it. Because you're looking at it in the sense from um, she's she's two more people are dead because she uh, because she convinced people to let this man off. But then but I she suppose could, she was she good at her job. At, she could look at it and say these two people are dead because a jury found him innocent. That's why he's dead. Yeah. I just I present. So. I just present the facts. That's all she. It must said. be so difficult being a lawyer. Your job, your job as, as as a defendant, I'd imagine as a lawyer, especially in cases like this. It's not to convince people that haven't done it. It's just to let them have doubt. I don't you, think you she's a defendant. I think defendant is the guy. No, she's a, is, is it, it counsellor? Is she the counsellor? She, she the was both called... counsellors. Yeah. Can I have both? Can I have Because she says, can I have both counsellors? I think she's the defence. Right. Yeah, she's a defence, not the defendant. Yeah. No, I, I just wanted to make yeah, sure because yeah, I was that, getting that, confused. That's that true. Was yeah. All. yeah. Sorry, that's defendant is a, far the more. Yeah, yeah. She's a def- show. As a defence, she can. You can even look at it from two ways. The way you're thinking now, which is she helped put a case forward that meant this man walked free, which has now resulted in two further deaths. Or she just stated the facts. The jury had enough doubt where they couldn't send him down as guilty. So now that death is on their hands, so yeah. to speak. It, there's different ways to look at it, which is why I think lawyers can still sleep at night in cases like this because it's not their decision. Do you think free. that's why you've got to have a large amount of members on the jury say they don't feel solely responsible. For, I mean, I know you've got to have, like, a, a full, diverse range of opinion, but do you think it's because, like, that... If if it's, like, a jury of three, those three people then held on to their, the facts? Yeah, that they... I'm, I'm, I'm sure if you are... I'm sure... I'm No, I'm not sure at all. But I'm, I've got an inkling that when, you, when someone gets a death sentence from lethal injection... Ugh, I, or is it the electric chair? I'm sure there's, like... There's more than one lever you can all pull. That that more than one person's pulls at the same time. Because you don't. Because then no know one actually one knows who whose lever put the the dying oh. the dying blow across. So yeah, I'd imagine that's why. And, and plus, because one one person's easily like easily manipulated. Or say if it was a case in it, like with gangsters, if there's one member on the jury, they're an easy target for an attack. Yeah. Whereas if it's several, it, it's different. Yeah, isn't it? it's different. 
Right, so Erin is asleep again and she wakes up at 3am again. I do this all the time and it always does seem to be 3am, <laughs> so that freaks me out a little bit. However, she ends up going straight to the kitchen and checks the gas. And the first thing I thought was the f- Emily woke up because she smelled yeah, burning. Yeah, the smell of burning straight away. And I was like, oh shit. Because I was like, she's not going to get possessed, is she? But the priest also gets woken up in the cell too by counting. And we don't know the relevance of the counting yet, but we do learn it later. Now, the next time we see a doctor is where this psychotic, psychotic, psychotherapy doctor comes in as well. This psychologist doctor. And he comes up with the phrase psychotic epilepsy, which is where auditory and visual hallucinations are involved. And if she'd kept up with the meds, it wouldn't have been fatal. This was their argument. Like, if she'd have kept going, she'd have been fine. And But Erin once again goes to him and she's like, well, is this an official diagnosis? Like, And he was like, well, I... And she went, so you named it. So you've named a fictional diagnosis for no reason. And, you're, you know, you're adding yeah, all these things together to create a diagnosis as it isn't, isn't a diagnosis. And <clears throat> she ends up reading up on possession herself so this is where you start seeing a slight turning point because she starts getting books out on possession and reading about it and the plan of attack is validate possession in the courtroom yeah. and you know what it brings us back it must take some serious balls as a lawyer in oh, that God, case, yeah. especially in real life to even mention the word de- demonic possessions in well, court. it brings it back to the concept of the conjuring where Ed Warren, I believe, says you believe you swear you swear to God in the courtroom. You swear on God. Yeah. What no, about what, the devil? I actually thought that when I was watching it, I thought, how how can they discredit this case if not discredit the case, but dis, you know when he calls objection, well you you say vows to God and, and stuff like yeah. that when you're entering the court. So. so yeah, why why can the devil not exist? But yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. But we learn that. When Emily's eating in the canteen, the noises start to get amplified. So she's showing more and more signs of possession. She's getting weaker. Yeah. The demons are getting stronger. And Jason says they wouldn't let her eat. And it, it's just a really it's just a really complex situation, isn't it? Because then you're starting to think, but Father Moore wasn't even involved in that point. Yeah. Well the the argument was with with his prescription that she kept having was even because they're saying it, you took her off this, you took her off this, and they're saying, well, even when she was on that, it, it made no difference. It was still just as bad. But then their argument was, oh no, it takes a while to build up in the body, like your yeah. system needs to build it up and all this stuff. So again, it's 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 just a snowball fight of back and forth, like trying to get blame when it's frustrating as a as an as a viewer because you know that the blame is on on the demons. Well, we also learn that he stayed with her, like she asked him to stay, and he stayed yeah, with her, and they laid. Oh. They laid in bed one night and he said, I didn't leave her, and but I fell asleep. And when I woke up, she wasn't there. And Jason sort of wakes up and he just sees Emily contorted on the dorm she room looks floor. Like a fucking, she looks like she's had the most intense game of Twister I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, it was awful. Uh, it was, to look at it, even I was it's like... It's so oh. uncomfortable. This is, this is what I... This is why, I, the, the reason why this film was not necessarily, it's not scary in terms of Insidious, where I watch Insidious and it's more scary than this. But because this is, this is, you don't, when you're watching this film, you don't feel like this is a, a Hollywood horror film where there's all yeah. these special effects and that. It, it, it it's, scares it's, you it's, from it's within, It's a story about it? this poor girl and then you're seeing her in these states and, don't get me wrong, having a low song build up towards a scare or towards something in one of these type, like in a, in a possession type of film, 
they're great and they, they do the job and they're really good. Mm. But but just the shock factor of hearing hearing about this Emily Rose and then you get a flashback and you see the way she was and it just it's so uncomfortable. It's scary in a different way. It's kind of like fucking hell, that poor girl. Do, yeah. you, do you know what I mean? It's, no, I know what it's, you mean. it's horrible. So Jason rang her dad and. He said, bring her home. So we brought Emily home that night and she never returned to school, we learn. Um, they sent Alice, Emily's sister, to see if she was awake at one point because they invited Father Moore over and Emily was in the corner eating dead spiders. Speaking in fucking Latin. Yeah. That, that shit. It's is... not, it's another It's another language because I put Latin. No, there's, there's Latin, there's Greek, but she there's... was speaking in Latin at this point because I had subtitles. Oh, was it? Because there's another one and I can't remember, archaic there's, there's la- or something There's Latin, like there's that. Greek. She spoke loads of different languages, but yeah, you are right. Yeah, she's. Uh, uh, but then it all kicks off, so... Father Moore and the dad are there. Oh, it's the bit where she's banging her knees on the floor repeatedly. Like, I literally wanted to throw up. Like, she's just literally slamming down on her knees. And I was like, oh, God, that must hurt. And then she... The, Ripping out her hair. Then she's looking at the priest and she says, you think you can you think you think can force me out, priest? I dare you to try. Yeah, try. And it's kind of like, oh, God. And she also says, I am the one who dwells within. And yeah. that, that repeated a lot. But Father Moore and her dad managed to restrain her for a moment. And... This was a weird one, and I couldn't find any information on this, but when Father Moore leaves, Emily's staring out the window, and then she just sits down and starts playing piano. Yeah, there's... there's There must be some significance with what she's playing, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I agree, yeah, I agree. I couldn't find it anywhere either, but it was really interesting, and I, I I was waiting for something, but nothing really came up. So the next to take to the stand is somebody from the defence and that's the anthropologist, psychologist and she says that Emily was hypersensitive to a separate realm and she says that the meds that the doctors gave her made the exorcism fail because it basically numbs you and locks you in. So you can't, as I say, you can't pull yourself away. We did talk about it and we like that this guy, the the prosecutor, he he, he loses his shit a bit yeah. because he keeps he gets really angry and he starts talking about the fact he's a man of God and he has faith and Yeah, and the, the thing the thing that's hypocritical in this part of the film and especially this court case is he he's outraged that the judge is allowing someone but bearing in mind that this person is a is qualified. She went to Cambridge. Cambridge and beginning of a while from Yale. Like she's fully qualified. She she seems unbiased. She's not trying to swing people the other yeah, way. She's simply, she knows a shit. Yeah, she's simply stating the stuff that she has researched and what her findings are. But from. he can't take. But that. he can't take that. But then earlier on in the film, when they're on about her epilepsy and stuff like this, that's all speculation. Like it was never actually proven. It's all people, because because essentially, what's we've got two sides to this case. And there's something in the middle that, that cannot be explained. Like, but but these two sides are trying to fire off their own things of why it's that. But it's obviously when if there's a court case where someone was murdered, you know the way of death was several knife wounds to the chest. Yeah. It's there. It's in black and white. This one, it's it's not. It's two people fighting to try and resolve the same outcome, and it's how did this happen? Like, what was the cause? I genuinely feel like the, and I, I've always felt this. It's not just a. It's not just this fleeting. I mean, I studied Jekyll and Hyde with um, my year 11s for three or four years. And it's very heavily in the science versus religion aspect. And it always seems like 
religion is more accepting of science, but science does not accept religion. Yeah, and there's yeah, that, that sort of break. I mean, you can't re- you can't deny science because science is factual. The, the, pro- the, pro- the problem is science can be proven, whereas paranormal yeah. cannot. So it, it does come down to belief. But we do learn that a doctor attended the exorcism, Dr. Cartwright, and he says that she was definitely not epileptic and she was not psychotic either. Special shout out, out, shout out to Dr. Cartwright's character because for the short amount of time he's in this film, and without even even talking about it much, just his mannerisms and his body language, and he, he seems so reserved. You could tell that this man has recently seen something it that's shook changed him. his life. Yeah. Like it's changed his whole belief system. Like you can tell the way he is. He's scared. Well, he says that what he saw made him start praying, praying again. again. Yeah. And so he gives her a tape recorder and says, "It's your burden now." Because he, as I say, this for for a man of science, it must be really difficult to have that world opened up to you. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it changes, it changes everything you believe. It's te- it's terrifying. If it came out that d- demons were real, it it would be the religious people who are more prepared because they know about all this stuff. Whereas we're we're now overwhelmed with all this. All right, well, what if it all actually is real? Because this big part of it is, and I think I think it would be scarier for us than it would be for for religious yeah. people because. Well, then again, saying that... Because religion is probably like, told you so. I suppose it depends on your faith, because some I know some people who believe in God, but I wouldn't call them religious. Like They don't go to church, they don't pray. They, they just say they believe in God. Yeah. So it, but I wouldn't call them... They'd, they'd obviously be just as scared, but for the ones who have absolute faith in, in God and the Bible and stuff like that, they'd be the ones who are who are more ready for this stuff. Yeah, it's it's definitely a situation where I feel like I, yeah, it, it's it's once again it's that religion's more accepting of science because it has to be because there's a there's no belief involved because it is just what it is. Whereas science is a lot more difficult. So for him to have been opened up to that would really have thrown him. Then we get a visit from Erin to uh, Father Moore again. This bit confused me a little bit as well. She talks about finding a locket. In a dream. No, no, it wasn't a dream. She, yeah, she did just happened, find a locket, yeah. didn't she? She found a locket and it had her initials on it. And she, he says it's like, she. well, she says, is it like a symbolism for being on the right path? It feels like it is. And he says, maybe you should wear it. Yeah. And I don't, I, I still don't really know where that came from. Because she never I, wore I, it. I think that's more to do with, because this film is solely based around evil, you don't hear much about good or God until the end. I feel yeah. like that might have been... Uh, I, I, because I think that might have been a hint towards the fact that God or someone else of a higher power is behind her in this case. Like, it's not... It's kind of like a... I think it is a kind of like, keep going, you're doing it. Like, keep doing what you're doing. That That's what I think it was supposed to symbolise anyway. Yeah, I, maybe so. Yeah, you're on the right path. Because she's slowly starting to open up to it, isn't she? Yeah. The idea that the devil... Well, the devil and demons exist. So she wakes up at 3am again and to whispering, then screaming. And it's the recorder that Dr. Cartwright gave her. It was playing by yeah. itself. Can you imagine? Fuck Can that. you imagine waking up at night to the- hearing that scream? I'd just be out. I'd be like, nope, set a fire to my house. See you later. Not <laughs> worth it. I'm out. So she does get more to testify. She she ultimately goes with a gut and he does testify. And he mentions that the, th- the idea of 3am is an inversion of the miracle hour and the idea of something burning, all things that have also happened to Erin at this point. Yeah. The tape recorder is playing in court, and I think it's really important that she gives him the tape recorder to play. It's not her story yeah, yeah, to it, tell. It's, yeah. it's Father Moore's of 
of Emily's. Which again, she's going against her employers here who wanted Father Moore to have as little to do with as possible. Just let the defendant, the, the defence do all the talking. Yeah. Um, but you can see throughout the film, she, she's starting to, to wonder now, isn't she? It's almost like she's a member of the jury and she wants to hear it herself. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then we cut to the exorcism scene and the small things, the crucifix tips upside down. Yeah. They're all preparing for it, stuff like that. And he's warning them, you need to do this. You can say your own prayers. I'm sorry, but use better fucking restraints. I'm sick of seeing exorcism Just films. rips them off. Yeah, I'm like, sick of seeing exorcism nothing. films where they use a bit of fucking tea towel. Cloth or something yeah, or like that. To tie a demon to a wooden framed bed. It's like, get some fucking, get some metal welded up or something. So she keeps counting, Emily keeps counting one, two, three, four, five, six, and nobody when, quite. When he keeps asking for the name. Yeah, so they follow, they follow the, con well, they don't follow the conjuring sort of rule because this was made before the conjuring, but it's the, I suppose it's the idea of if you have the name of the demon, you have yeah, more yeah, power I, over I think it. That is, that, I that's think, a universal yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I think that is an actual thing in religion, like that's what they say. Yeah, well, the cat ends up fucking up the vicar, which I found hilarious. Yeah. She ends up ripping off the restraints, jumps out of the window and runs into the barn and she manages to conjure snakes and spiders up. Crazy. And it's, yeah, it's insane, the scene. And he eventually gets some names out of her, him. So, uh, sorry, her. So he says, like, what is your name? What is your name? And he, they eventually get it. So we had, I am the one that dwells within Cain. I am the one that dwells within Nero. I am the one that dwells within Judas. I am one of the ones that dwells within the Legion. I am Belial. I am Lucifer. So he never, they, they never give him the full names. They just say they dwelled within four of them. They only get two names. So the demon... Is Lucifer not the devil? Yeah, they, so Lucifer is the devil. Belial is the... Belial, one so of the two. So you think this demon is just re like saying he represents the devil? No, I think there's six in there. Yeah, there is six because she says in a note that he tried to no, get rid of... No, so he says, I am the one that dwells within, I'm the one that dwells within, I'm the one that dwells within, I'm the one that dwells within, I am I am Belial, I am Lucifer. So those four, the first four demons never what, give what their name. What relevant to those first names? So, I know because I know Judas is religious. Is, is a religious. Yeah, thing. he betrayed Jesus. Right. Legion are a legion of demons. I'm not quite sure where that one comes from. I'm not quite sure about Nero either. But Cain is the one that murdered his brother Abel. And what in the Bible? Yeah. Right. So they are all people who've done terrible things, mm. and the the. The demon says, I'm the one that dwells within them. So those four demons, so the first four demons never give their name. They say they dwelled within. But Belial and sure what and looking like a, a point here, like he's saying that he is a representation of the devil. No, he is. No, the, those two are in her. Belial and Lucifer are both inside her. But there's another four demons that do not give the name. Right. I believe. And, and that's where it lies. And I think... I think that's sort of why they couldn't get complete power. But uh, Father Moore said that she should stop taking the drug, essentially, and that's where the problem lies. He advised yeah. that Gambitrol was not doing well, and so she stopped taking it, and that's the problem. So the end of the court day then, they've had a lot to mince over. It's, it's all well and good. But she's, I believe, in her office or somewhere, and the partner... Of the lawyer firm comes in and he kicks off basically, and he says, "You, you test, make him test, let him testify again, and I'll fire you." Yeah. 
and she's she's devastated because she's she's torn now she's worked so hard for everything all her life and you know she's put a lot of work in and put a lot of effort in as lawyers do but then on the other side of things now she's she's got the idea of i think this man's genuinely telling the truth yeah. there's something there's something not right here and they we also learned that Dr. Cartwright's dead, so the only scientific Yeah, when he didn't turn up to court I put in, in my notes Doctor at uh, Demon got the Doctor question mark and then when I saw him get smashed by like carts, but yep. Yeah. So Doctor Cartwright's dead, which means they've got no medical doctor, which is the only science they had on their side yeah. to give any sort of statement. It was an eyewitness doctor, yeah. which is you can't get better for a defence case. And than... you can argue that yes, it could have been one big coincidence, but also maybe you know, God works, yeah, but, but the why, devil this is, works This harder. is why I like this film, because even when you, when we're going back to the flashbacks of Emily Rose's possession, obviously when we're all watching it, actually what happened, we're like, yeah, she's obviously being possessed. However, when they're describing the events in the trial and people are just saying, yeah, but that's signs of this disorder, or she was speaking all these languages, yes, but she'd been in classes and had learnt some of these languages. Yeah. Well. So, so, all so of, she could all, yeah, know yeah, them. So all of it's like... You can't get mad at the prosecutors because they're, He's asking, just doing his yeah, job. they're asking questions that we ourselves would ask if this was a real life yeah. case on television. And although it's, you, you can get frustrated if you look at it from a viewer perspective because obviously we're watching the possession, we're watching the incidents that happened and being yeah. like, well, no, that did happen. But if we hadn't seen those clips and we were just hearing about it, would we would we be like, no, we wouldn't. Yeah, we, wouldn't. we, we would be. We'd be like, oh, demon, yeah. demons, really? Of course, it yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. So the night before Emily died, this is what else we learn. She requested... This is Emily's story that yeah. I think he was so desperate to tell. This is what he wanted to testify he, for. Because he'd argued with Erin at several points in the film saying, I just need to say Erin's story. It's that's he's, it. That's all he's bothered about. Emily's, not, he, Emily's yeah. He's not, he's not bothered about the what the public think or Whether he's guilty or he's innocent. Or... He just wants people to hear Emily's story. So she left him a letter and it talks about, so we learned she walked out of the house into this massive fog and she sees herself suffering on the ground and she's she's um, healthy, she's she's not ill anymore as she's walking that, physically. The shot but she of her walking to that tree is insane. It is, way. it's really, so creepy yeah, but really, so sad as well. Really nice cinematography. And... She says that the Virgin Mary came to see her and said that she could go with her yeah. and stop suffering or continue to suffer on earth. Because she says, you know, will will another exorcism work? Will, will I be free of this? And the Virgin Mary says, you'll never be free of this. Like, it's never going to work. Yeah. Um, and Emily still chose to stay. And the, re and the reason in for that is because, said, the reason that she wants her to stay is so that she can Well, the priest even says herself that she, he believes that Emily had accepted fate. And the reason why she wanted to stay was in the hope of proving to the public that these things this exist. That was the reason why she chose to, instead of going off to heaven with the Virgin Mary, she cho chose to stay and carry, out, carry on with this torture. And it was to prove to the public that these things are very real, they're a danger. And yeah. And that, that was a reasoning. Because cause Father Moore says, I believe that one day she'll be recognised as a saint yeah. for what she did. Yeah. And anyway, she chose to stay and then she, she died later, I believe. And, and, and in that note, Emily also says that the priest tried to free me from six demons last yeah. night. So it, it, there's the six again. Because she refuses another exorcism, yeah. doesn't she? she? She denies it because yeah. she thinks, well, it's never. I'm just going to put myself through more pain. I'm just gonna have to suffer. Well, she'll I die. know that she'll know that these exorcisms put other people in danger as well. Like everyone who's involved in an exorcism, even present, that they are at risk of 
death, essentially. So they both give their final closing speech and the jury are out, they come back in and have found a verdict, which is guilty. Yeah. But they they say that the sentence is time served because he the 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 priest is like i don't want to drag it on like the reason i I, I, all i wanted to do was to was to to testify and give a story yeah that was it he wasn't bothered about so he doesn't care now so he's like i'll just take whatever sentencing you feel fit to give and so they agree and they're like yeah this is this is the serving i'll give and the the judge says because the jury says oh i've got a recommendation we recommend time served so he's already done it he's already done it and so he's free now the lawyers see it as a win and they're buzzing and they're all around her now again and they're all really happy because yeah. they don't, you know, they're not bothered and they're really pleased. And he's like, you know, you, you can make a partner. Like, we'll make you a partner for this. And she's she just shakes her head and she's like... Keep it. Yeah, keep it. She, she doesn't want it. And, and I think and I think this is, this is one of the messages of the film is she's now been exposed to a... a she, I think she now... A higher level of power maybe, than the law. May, maybe not believes... However, she's not a doubter anymore. No. Do you know what I mean? She, she's not going to start going to church, but she does honestly think that these things are a real danger. And I really do like the end of the film, minus we learn a little bit more about like Emily and what happened yeah. and so on and so forth. But I, I really like the end of the film where she's sleeping with the clock turned away from her, but then she accepts it and turns it back round. Because it's it, you are right, it's that sort of acceptance of, I'm not going to have my life overcome by the fear that demons exist. Yeah, but now I acknowledge the fact that they, they are a very present spirit which, in these realms. Which in theory should make you safe, safer than to someone who doesn't believe in them. And that's the end of the movie. The, there's another part. Oh, sorry. Well, did you get the end text up at the screen? About yeah. That? So there was one part that I just liked and it was about the father who said, who, when he commented on it, because he didn't appeal the guilty jury, um, he just accepted it. And he said, worldly courts cannot pass judgment on this case. Like, basically saying yeah. it's, it's for God. Like, the only judgment he cares about is God. God's judgment. Like, the, the public's judgment, the, the, the jury's judgment, the, the judge's judgment, irrelevant to him. This is a case for God. For God, don't yeah. And I he knows was, he's done the right yeah, thing yeah, by God. Yeah, which I thought was a powerful statement at the end of the film. Yeah. But yeah, really good, really good film choice. Really good I film enjoy, choice. I enjoyed it. And what I liked as well was that the... Just just before we end that, the prosecutor who was like so against it, he didn't seem too happy about the the verdict either. It, it was sort of like it was a numbing case for everybody. Yeah. Like nobody saw, nobody won. No. Nobody won. Anything. Yeah, there was no victor. There because because everyone wants everyone wants a concrete answer saying he's to blame, she's to blame. Yeah. They did this. That's but how there's she not died. a concrete answer, that, that's and not, that's the end of the film. But that but that is why humans, I think. That's the fault with humans. Yeah, we can't we can't accept that humans and this we is we can't why, accept the grey. This is why yeah this is why I think space is also such a, I know it's completely off topic but space is such a it's such when you actually sit and think about it it's such a daunting topic because just like the paranormal or the supernatural we'll never know and our, our minds aren't big enough to know or comprehend like when you when I say to you picture infinity you can't you can't picture infinity. Our minds physically cannot comprehend that type of stuff. And you could argue that relates back to supernatural. Our minds cannot comprehend the supernatural or other worlds or paranormal and stuff like that. But humans can't accept that. We're not we're not humble enough to be like, oh yeah, that's... We're a very yeah, small we, planet yeah, we, in a very big world. Humans just have to know. They yeah. have to know. And that, like this court case is a case of the public wanting to know, the prosecutors wanting to blame, the defendants wanting to defend. Do you think we'll ever know? No, no. If we'd have known, we'd have known by now. Do you think so? Yeah, and I think the same with space. I think out of our galaxy, 
Uh, obviously, we can know stuff, but when you think of the magnitude of how big space is and how much could be out there that we'll never, ever, ever, ever know. Can you imagine how pissed off I'll be if I die and then wake up and I'm like in heaven and shit and I'm like, for fuck's sake, well, like this happened, I'll, I'll be in hell. I'll, be to be fair. I'll wake up in a burning we'll, cell. We'll be burning, but. Can you imagine how frustrated we'll be? We'll be like, fuck's that. You'll just hear me from above like, told you. Yeah. <laughs> then the, pe the people who were there when we in showers at that haunted mental time will be like, we tried to warn you. Yeah, we, tried to tell we you. took your finger off the Ouija board. I offered the flowers. <laughs> that was it. Right, fun facts then. Well, we budget first. What do you think the budget was for this film? There's some quite big names in 14 there. 14 million. 19 million you have won. You are nice, in the 5, five million mil range. Yes. What was the box office? 58 million. 145.2 million. I was tempted between... This film was very popular. I know it would have done well, but I just didn't know how well. Yeah, this this film did very well. It was. It's just because it's old. Not old, but it's an older film. So, my fun facts are... Jennifer Carpenter, who played Emily, spent hours in a room full of mirrors to prepare for her role. She tried different body positions and facial expressions to see which was the scariest, but she spent hours in there. Uh, it's based loosely on the story of a young German woman, Annalise Michelle, who suffered a similar fate to fictional Emily Rose. There were two dolls created for the film. The lock limb scene, where she was rigid and they had to pick her up. And the dorm scene, where she was contorted on the floor. However, the dorm doll was never used because Carpenter was flexible enough. So she was doing those nice. contortions. That's, that's good. During production in real life, Laura Linney, who played Erin's character... TV turned itself on in the middle of the night several times. And also, any time something ghostly is about to happen in the film, there's a purple glow around the place. Ah. But you wouldn't have noticed that, considering yours was jittery yeah, as fuck three so quarters of the way through. So, my would you rather, I'm going to let you pick. Pick either number one or pick number two. I will pick... Um, two. What is the closest to death you've ever been? Oh, shit. By the way, I thought about both these questions myself, so I'm quite well impressed done. with them. Were they, was it an emergency, would you rather? Or have you been no, thinking no, about No, no, I just line? thought about them and I thought, oh, that'd be good for the podcast. I know. So, I, I don't want to say close to death isn't close to death, because we weren't really, but it does involve sharks. I know what you're on about, because I was gonna, if you were struggling, I was going to recommend the boat one. And I yeah. don't, so, so before Shar gets into this, right, I don't... We're not the type of people who like, if I have a flight book to go away and that and the flight a week before crashes, I'm not like, oh my God, that could have been me. That If I'd have just booked my flight a week early, it's like, yeah, well, you didn't though. Yeah. Like you was a week away. There's thousands of flights in between that time frame. We're not that type of people. However, I'll let her explain the story. So we went to, me and Shah, Oliver's girlfriend, went to Budapest for a few days, just for a holiday and to do some sightseeing. And it was... It was nice enough weather, but then it started getting rainy and stuff like that. So we booked a rich, well, we were considering booking to go on a boat called the Mermaid. And I was like... Which I can vouch for because Shah, my partner Shah did text me saying that they were on about going on a boat trip that day. Yeah. So it was definitely in the cogs as, as something that was planning to do. So we were going in the evening and we were going on this boat. And uh, it started absolutely hashing it down. Like when I say torrential rainport, it was torrential. And it was an open top boat. And me and Shah looked at each other and we sort of were just like, should we just, we'll do it another day. We'll do, we'll, we've got three more days left yeah. here. We'll do it another time. So we went to this American diner, of course, as you do in Budapest, like really <laughs> trying out the local yeah. foods. And 
we would come in out of there trying to get the tram back to the hotel and there were all these sirens going off and we were like what's going on didn't have a clue and so anyway we got back to the hotel went to bed and absolutely fine nothing nothing came of it woke up in the morning to miss calls facebook posts facebook messages you know mum was ne- mum was nearly in tears she was and i like i answered them all because i said to Shara, i was like have you got texts and stuff and she was like yeah well, didn't have a clue and we looked on the news and the mermaid boat in the danube river had capsized that night and killed everybody yeah, it killed a f- quite a few korean street students i ran so 18 horrible Koreans. story but that was the one i was going to say they'd all, be, they'd all been swept down the river and we we would have ended up on that boat that night yeah. if it hadn't been bad weather mine's a lot less uh final destination i I just i've got very very few memories from when i was very little this there's one I can remember, and that was when we was in Florida, and everyone was asleep in our... I think we had, like, a villa or an apartment, and I couldn't swim. I was very little, and I just remember running out and jumping to the pool and drowning, and I was literally... Was it you who came out? I came out. And I, li- I literally... I just... I, the reason why I remember is probably because I was that scared and thought I was going to die, but Charlotte came, heard me screaming and splashing and jumping and rescued me, but if no one had woken up... Which, bearing in mind, like, I'm in the pool, so I'm, I'm, a di- I'm outside the building, I'm outside the house, like, it's... Yeah. It was like a little con. It was, well, it was, a, yeah, little, it was, it was like, like a big conservatory, yeah, conservatory and then yeah. so the pool was in there. I could have easily been not heard, or people were in a heavy sleep. There could have been anything that meant I died that day. But luckily, Charlotte came and you're welcome, bro. Got me out. So that was mine. So I'm going to tell you my next. Would you rather for you to have a think about? Okay. Because it is quite a good question, and it is: if you could stop one crime forever, what would it be and why? That's good. I already know it, but that's good. Right. So that'll be. Not next, not the next film one, yeah. the film after. And for next week, not next week, the week after's film we're going to be doing, it is going to be The Vivitch or The Witch. <laughs> the Vivitch. Because <laughs> it's spelled with Yeah, the two Vs, isn't it? I love Anya Taylor Joy. I've gone on a bit of an obsession with Anya Taylor Joy. Have you seen it? Yeah. I don't think I have, so. Dost thou want to live deliciously? I fucking love that. That fucking black goat. I can't remember his name. He's called somebody this guy. I feel like I might have seen it. It's I, fucking pissed. Or if I've not, I've definitely seen a lot of clips of it. Um, and then my midweek episode for next week is going to be the part two to our Agree to Disagree game that we have going on. Sounds uh, good to me. Yeah, so hope you've enjoyed listening. Thanks for tuning in. All right, bye.